Webster's Dictionary defines snuff as powdered tobacco that is chewed, placed against the gums, or drawn in through the nostrils. Two, to sniff or smell inquiringly. Or three, a film categorized by the sensationalistic depiction of violence, especially featuring a real rather than staged murder. Guess which one we'll be talking about today? That's right. Today we're going to look at the past, present, and cultural and cinematic influence of snuff films. We'll attempt to decipher fact from urban legend from a genre that historically blends both. All the while trying to understand what the appeal of this genre is and what that ultimately says about us as human beings. So invite Grandma over, wake up the kids, and gather on the iPod for Slums of Film History's foray into the lurid world of snuff cinema. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. In each episode, each one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from bodily fluids to TNA to exploding heads. If there's a film subject that's too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? I'm good. 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 Um, did you want to shout out someone? Yes, I did, actually. I wanted to say a big shout out to John Patterson. He's the person that wrote, produced, and performed our theme song. Love it. It's yeah, amazing. it's great. So, yes. Thanks, good job, John. John. Thanks, John. Good job. Also, today we are live from New York. We are indeed. Where we are at the New York Film Festival. Yes. And so we're recording, going to movies recording, going to movies, coming back, writing new episodes, and then going to more movies. And then going to more movies, yes. So, and today, again, we're talking about snuff films. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, with snuff films, I feel like people think they know what they are right off the bat. Yeah. Like, I think there's a certain, like, idea when if I just talk to the person on the street and say, hey, what's a snuff film? Because I do that. I go to people on the street and ask them that. We all do that. A snuff film is something like a, a porno that somebody ends up getting killed at the end. It seems like sex and death are kind of mixed in between the two. I don't know if you've seen that. Or... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I think that if you asked me on the street, I would just be like, oh, it's a movie where somebody actually dies. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's accurate. I think it's because the snuff genre... People think that if it's real, it's underground and people pass tapes around, much like old stag films were. So I think that's why the sex and death gets mixed up. Either way, I want to establish the definition of snuff films for everybody to know so that, you know, the the average person on the street says, oh, now I know, because that's important to the average person on the street. So what is it, the term snuff film? Well, again, it is an actual film where somebody's killed. And traditionally, snuff films, they think there's an industry behind it that is sold for profit. So they gather up people, they kill them, you know, put that on tape or film, and then they sell it in some underground market. And that's not necessarily the case. Okay. But generally, snuff films, yes, they do involve real death or what people must think is real death. But also, there's more than one purpose for it. It's not necessarily to sell it to sick fuckers to get off and say, oh, look, I, I the death in snuff films. Sometimes it could be educational, believe it or not, and we'll talk about that, or to prove some sort of point. It could be political or otherwise. Sure. So uh, let's get started. Well, first of all, where did snuff originate from anyway? 
Well, actually, uh, the term snuff film didn't come from a film at all. Originally, it came from a book. And the book was entitled The Family, the story of Charles Manson's Dune Buggy Attack Battalion. Oh, one of my favorite subjects. Yeah, and it was by Ed Sanders. It was published in 1971. So, wait, you're saying this is where the term originated? This is where the term originated from. So, it wasn't like, yes, this is where it caught on as a, 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 a title, snuff film. Uh, so, it was this book written by Ed Sanders, published in 1971. And it talked about days leading up to the Tate LaBianca murders. Mm-hmm. In that, there was some hearsay through some of the interviews that the Manson family had killed other people and filmed it. And the author somehow used the term snuff, so described it as it a up. snuff film. So he the made author, up the words. Yeah. But it stuck. Mm-hmm. It stuck, and so that, that's pretty much how we know the term today. So speaking of the films themselves, there's two early movies that are basically the origin of snuff films, or the, okay. the beginnings of the whole snuff genre. Uh, one is Peeping Tom. You remember that movie, 1960s movie. Classic. It's a classic. Uh, and the story of that movie is basically a, a serial killer that goes around and films women as they're dying, he kills them. POV. And it's yeah, POV. And he doesn't sell them or do anything. He just has them for himself. Uh, the movie, I think, it was a flop when it came out, and now it's considered a classic. But this movie came out roughly... You know, 10 years before the term snuff even, you know, right. didn't even it's have Brit- a name. It's a British film. It's a British right? film. Yeah. yeah. And it was directed by Mike Michael Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, uh, and probably the most famously associated with the term snuff, is a film called, wait for it, uh-huh. Snuff. I like it. And yeah, it's so it capitalizing on the phenomenon. The movie came out in 1975. It was widely released in 75, but it was originally filmed in 1971. It was filmed in Argentina, and it was under the title Slaughter. And basically... To go back to the Manson family theme, it was sort of a loose take on the Manson family murders, and it didn't make any money. It was I don't even think it got widely released at the time under the title Slaughter, but as it sat on the shelf, these articles were starting to come out about these underground movies that were made in South America, actual snuff films. Mm-hmm. So the producers got an idea to tack on, at the end of this movie, what looked like a real murder, mm-hmm. changed the name to Snuff. They shot additional Additional footage, footage uh-huh. tacked it on the end, and they made it look like you know the film crew was taking everything down at the end or whatever, so it looks like, yeah, we actually killed somebody and okay. changed the name to Snuff. And then 1975 released it, and it was a hit. I bet. Yeah, it was a, a big hit. It, I'm um, looking at the poster right now. It's... Uh, I've never seen this movie. I haven't either. But I can see why, especially if it's super topical at the time, that mm-hmm. this would have that people would have wanted to see this. Well, yeah, and they promoted the shit out of it. You know, they had the disclaimer, and the disclaimer's messed up. It's like, um, the film that can only be filmed in South America, where life is cheap. That's what it says. Cheap is in all caps. <laughs> that's offensive. That's Somebody really, from Peru is like, rude. what? what? That's, that's rude. That's rude. Yeah, they're like, that's fucked up. Warning. You are about to see scenes of a film said to be the most controversial in the history of motion pictures. A movie they said could never be shown. In fact, you have read the headlines across the newspapers of this country and the world, and you have heard the news. This is the movie that could only have been made in South America, where life is cheap. It will shock you and astound you. Ladies and gentlemen, the bloodiest thing that ever happened in front of a camera. Snuff. They did that. They even they even made fake protests to accompany this movie. Mm-hmm. 
which eventually turned into real protests when people thought it was a real snuff film. <laughs> sure, sure. And then uh, it got to the point, and this is the first instance of this, I think, where they had to put a disclaimer because the legal system started looking at this movie and saying, is this a real murder? And they had to say, no, it's not. And they had to show proof of life, basically, that nobody was killed in this Got movie. it. So they spent all of this time trying to make trying to make it look real, and then all of a sudden they got in trouble, and they were like, no, actually, we have to make it look fake shit again. got real. Okay. As That's interesting. In the movie. So... But Snuff made a shit ton of money. Uh, it ran in New York, here in New York, mm-hmm. and it in its first week it got sixty six thousand dollars in revenue, and actually it outsold One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for like three weeks straight. Wow! Yeah, so people were interested in seeing Snuff. Apparently, mm-hmm. so following the success of Snuff, other filmmakers realized, hey, this may be something we can capitalize on. Other movies came out. A good example of that is 1977's Last House on Dead End Street, mm-hmm. which wasn't confused as, as snuff. It wasn't like trying to pass itself off as real, but it's protagonist or antagonist, I guess. The story is about an ex-convict who kidnaps these strangers and then kills them and films it. So it was more just taking the theme of snuff and the popularity of that. So it wasn't really considered snuff, but it was popular and it made money. Gotcha. And also stole its title very close to Last, Last House, House on, on the Left. On yeah. the Left. That was Wes Craven's first movie, I guess. And that was popular at the time. So they ripped off the title and basically ripped off the theme of snuff. And there you go. I mean, that makes sense. A lot of times, and you'll hear about this more on a future episode about Doris Wishman, those movies, you know, one of them is successful. So then seven Me Too's come <laughs> yeah. out in the next yeah. year that are, you know, and and, and then half the time it's not even, it, they just recut a movie to kind of, you know, to, to be able to make a little bit of money at like a grindhouse theater. Right. It's complete and total ripoff. Or they'll even have like the font similar than title similar. So people yeah. will be dumb enough to just wander in and think they're watching something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even higher brow-ish movies. You remember Paul Schrader's Hardcore? That dealt a little bit with snuff. It's more like a theme. It was not confused with the snuff film. But, you know, slowly the snuff phenomenon was filtering its way into bigger movies as a plot point. Sure. And Hardcore, I think, was a good early example. I do want to say, though, the big one, and probably the closest that snuff ever got to mainstream is 1978's Faces of Death. Have you seen that? I know we talked about it. No, I haven't actually. I remember going to the video store and seeing it, and I always loved horror movies, but that was too far. That was like, you know, as a kid, I could, that was too much for me. Yeah, that was one of the ones, the, the, the legendary ones, that when I was a young kid, like The Exorcist and Faces of Death were two movies that were the scariest movies of all time. Right, right. That was at least the, what we always talked about as kids. We could watch Friday the 13th all day, but it's like, oh, I'm not going to watch Faces of Death because that's really creepy. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Faces of Death is a 1978 faux documentary. Uh, it has what the, the filmmakers did was they got some old, newsreel footage of real people like death and dying and stuff like that like give some examples okay so there's one i think there's a car wreck where they're like pulling a baby underneath from underneath a a truck or something they may have the video of the the actual video of the guy getting shot um in vietnam the one that the the famous life photo yeah Yeah. so it's so it's it's, it's, it's newsreel shit and And it's a combination of execute of public executions and of accidents but it's also mixed in with fake accidents and executions they actually film some scenes that they pat- try to pass off as real but were totally fake they're, so they're recreations they, they are recreations mixed with real footage to try to give it authenticity got so, it and one a good example of that there's like a blood orgy where they're like eating organs of I mean, it that's fake there's i think a monkey brain one where they get a monkey and bash its head but it's like cauliflower uses mm-hmm. brain and sure, stuff sure. like that and some of them are really hokey one it's like this guy's 
alligator hunting and then he gets eaten by some gator and it's fake as it's fake <laughs> as fuck but so again having never seen them is part of the interest in it kind of knowing which ones are is is looking at them and being like that one's real but that one's fake is that part of the interest or are you supposed to think that everything is real i think they were hoping you thought everything was real I mean, it was narrated, too, so there was a guy like, you know, death finds everyone one one day or some way or another, you mm-hmm. know, or some, there's a narrator that was that goes through all of these movies. Because there's more than one, there's like four of them or five. Either way. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're, you're supposed to think that they're all real. But I think the, the gimmick after a while was trying to figure out which ones were fake. Sure. You know, the, the cat was out of the bag, I think, fairly well, I'm early sure the on. the production value couldn't have been but so high. No, it's shitty. And you can see it on YouTube. I watched some of it on YouTube. And some of the fake ones are kind of well done. Some are blatantly fake. And a lot of the real ones, real scenes are, like, grainy and clearly old fo- stock footage. To go back to um, Face of Death, so it was released in theaters. It Which was, I never knew. I thought that it was a straight-to-video thing. I think all the sequels were straight-to-video. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the first one was uh, released in theaters. It grossed thirty-five million dollars, and it was like on a four hundred fifty thousand dollars budget. So it made a shit ton of money. That's just in theaters. So it made like a lot of money on video, where most people saw it. I'm sure. Clearly, snuff or what people think is snuff wasn't just for sick fuckers to be passed around, you know, in back alleys. Because this thing was a wide release, and a lot of people went and saw it because they were interested. Mm-hmm. That morbid curiosity. But that's an interesting point and something I want to talk about because where does that come from? Where does this exposure come from? Why out of nowhere would somebody say, shit, you know what? I want to go to a movie theater and see what looks like real people dying on film. Right. Well, I think it's because we don't realize it, but we're exposed to this stuff at a young age, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. My example I want to talk about and go back in time a little bit, you know, beyond the 70s and let's head back to the early 60s because I'm going to talk about what I consider the original snuff films. And AKA Driver's Ed films. Oh, wow. So, jumping back in time, the early 60s, millions of teenagers were coming of age, late 50s, early 60s, getting their driver's license, taking Sally out to make out point or oh, whatever the Sally, fuck. Yeah. Sally, yeah. And whatever kids did. In the Tits day. on her. Yeah. Oof. I know. <laughs> yeah. Sally, big titties. <laughs> yeah, she did indeed have big titties. That is true. And so, to drive out. To see Sally's big titties, these kids had to go to driver's ed training, mm-hmm. right, to get their license. Before then, educational films were like manners or, you know, be sure to <laughs> wash your pubic area or whatever. You know, it was like... Uh, wash your pubic area. Yeah. Well, you remember I, Wash I, Your Pubic I remember that movie. one. It yeah. was, the title of it was, it was Wash <laughs> Your Pubic and It's a classic. And they were like, it, Sally's titties. It, 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 no. Need to be clean every day. So before that... <laughs> just keep going. Just Sorry. keep going. I know. It's ridiculous. At the in 1959, there was a movie called Signal 30. All right, now Signal 30 was a driving training film that was filmed with permission of the Ohio State Patrol. Okay, and basically, this was the, considered the first film that they showed real vehicle accidents with real people like dying and dead. Most of it was still photos, like scene photos. Mm-hmm. Some of it was actually video of like people getting you know jaws of life out of cars or whatever passed for jaws of life back then. But wow, whatever. is this online? Uh, yeah. Oh. Um, and I have the trailer for it. Oh, great. Signal 30, the code that has a morbid meaning to the men of the Ohio State Highway Patrol. Signal 30 is the phrase that means another violent death on the highway. Another life snatched by carelessness. Another bloody statistic in the mounting toll of traffic's cost. Put yourself and your family in these untouched, unstaged scenes. 
you or a loved one of yours can easily be a Signal 30. And so tr- Signal 30 was the first of that trend, and it had ominous music, and it had a narrator saying, you know, they were out for a nice afternoon drive. Then they became a Signal 30, you know. So this shit. is like the Citizen Kane of yes. ed- educational videos. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I would say more of the birth of a nation of ed- education. <laughs> Got it. As soon as I said Citizen Kane, I was like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. That's probably not correct. Yeah, it's not. This is like the blood feast of... uh... That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And so that scared the shit out of kids, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked the only baby boomers I had on hand about it when when I was researching this, which was your parents. My folks. Uh Uh-huh. And your mom said that... Your dad didn't care, but I think your mom... (laughs) Uh, was scared by it or freaked out by it because this was the first time these kids are teenagers and they're watching uh, you know scene accident scenes with real people like bleeding out and dying and shit right I remember when you asked her and she was like no it was scary we had never seen anything like that before right. it wasn't just like a boring educational film it was they had done something different and it's and it scared her now going back to my definition of snuff no they didn't go and make people have accidents to film it right it's not like they right. intentionally killed people but they but there's something exploitive about it, at least when I was researching it, that they'll, you know, it reminds me of that movie Nightcrawler where they go out and film these real, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, death, people dying and stuff and get the news crew out there. Because they did. When they went to a Signal 30, an accident, the Ohio State Patrol had a cameraman come out there and film some of this stuff for the purpose of this video. And that, to me, is a little exploitive. I get why, what they're trying to do and educate people, but it's still, you know what I mean? No, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's because I'm sure that they were like, okay, now you step over there and you, I mean, what makes for good film isn't reality. Well, you know, you, it has to be stayed somewhat staged in sure. order for it to be effective. And that dude was paid, you know, to put yep. this film together. So the Ohio State Patrol paid somebody. And if it was, and... If the footage wasn't scary enough or wasn't, then they would be like, well, I've got to do it better next time. Or which edit, means... edit some more death in there. Exactly. We need more of that. Yeah. yeah. So, And this was part of a, a trilogy of films with the Ohio State Patrol, by the way. So it was uh, Signal 30, followed by its sequel, Mechanized Death, which I remember and seeing Mechanized Death, and that's my favorite. That <laughs> title my favorite is title ever. Baller. I know. That's the name of my band. Mechanized Death. I'm going to name my metal band is Mechanized Death. And then the third one was called Wheels of Tragedy. They really have some people make up some good titles for Wheels this. Whoever made tragedy. That's not bad. I guess that's that's more of the terms of endearment of uh, yeah, of, definitely of highway safety films. Yeah. It's like a Nicholas Sparks version of yeah. Uh, okay, and then, I'm sticking with Mechanized Death. Mechanized is, Death yeah. is definitely the baller one. I agree with that. So then a bunch of other ones came out. Uh, Death on the Highway. I think I saw that one too. Uh, I remember seeing Mechanized Death and Death on the Highway, which these are all black and white or like shitty 16 mil color, you know, that's all faded. And I'm sure you probably saw them like 16 times in a row because I remember when we used to watch even like the shitty, you know, when it was video day in class or whatever, it was like, oh, good, get to watch this one for the 15,000th time. It was like when the teacher was hungover and you would just like see the same. They wheel the cart in there. You yeah. put the videotape in there. That's videotape kids for all you young kids. I have no idea what that is. And it, yeah, they would play it. Moving on, these films were churned out throughout the 60s. And I'm sure anybody who came up in that time frame saw at least one of them. So that was really, I think, a lot of people's exposure, like, as you said, first exposure to death. But another thing happened in the 60s, too, that you know wasn't just driver's ed films. Uh, it was the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because... In the early 60s, I think journalism, at least regarding war coverage, was still limited. Uh, It was still very limited to not necessarily the the World War II things you would see in the theaters, like the march of war. Yeah, Yeah, it was 
they were journalism had, had advanced, but it was really around the Tet Offensive uh, when it really started getting to people's uh, living rooms. That's when you had, I think, the first embedded reporters, or at least they were out there covering the war. So you've got. You know, so there's the other half of this. You've got these driver's head films where there's real death, and then now you're actually seeing explicit content from the war that was going on. Right. People were watching people die in their living rooms. Right. And that was the first time that happened. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing and being exposed to more and more of this type of stuff. It didn't just start in 1975. It didn't just start in 1975. Gotcha. All right. Well, moving on, let's go, let's jump back up to Face of the Death again. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's really our crux. And I want to talk about Face of Death. For one, it was very popular, but it's also something that was really of its time. Yeah. Because, you know, it combined the faux documentary with real death footage and stuff. And that almost split immediately right after that. You know, it was the last time, I think, I mean, not including the sequels, as a genre, it was the last time it was fused together. Because Mm it went in two different directions. One was the faux documentary. And even the next year, in 1979, you know which faux documentary I'm about to talk about. Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. For those of you who listened to our last podcast, we discussed Cannibal Holocaust at great length. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I want to talk about it again more for the genre than the content of cannibalism because it was considered the first faux documentary. Mm -hmm. And that uh, the, the real footage that they'd filmed uh, was, you know, played as being, or played off as being uh, authentic. Right, right. And of course, a lot, what happened with that is very similar to the the outcome uh, with Snuff in that it got popular, people were outraged by it, blended, uh, you know, fact and fiction. Actually, it did a lot of the things that Face of Death did and that there was real animal death in that mm-hmm. to add authenticity. Well, and that, and w- when you watch the animal death, which we talked about, yeah. You're put into, you're transported into another place, a place where you're like, wait a minute, is this, re- that's clearly real. That is all real. of this real? It's, it plays tricks on the mind. It does. Uh, so it took that cue from Faces of Death, add some real, actual stuff, mix in your own fake stuff, and people don't know what to believe. They assume it's real. So it was popular, it made some money, but it also immediately, a big surprise, garnered controversy mm-hmm. to the point where, uh, the filmmaker Ruggiero Diodato, is that how you say his name? Ruggiero Diagato, I think. I think, okay. Uh, sure. Someone fact check us on this and, yeah. and put, I, I think mean, we could look Diodato. it up on the internet. But. I, could, I had a hell of a time saying it. But rumors, of course, came out that it was a snuff film and that that's what people were actually watching. And, of course, the legal system got involved. He was arrested by the Italian authorities. Yep, he was uh, nine days after it premiered in Milan, uh, he was arrested. And the original charge was uh, obscenity, but then they modified it to, in, to, to for murder. And he had to go and show proof of life that, oh, here are my actors, you know, they're alive. Because what he did, I believe, didn't he have them lay low for the year? He did, yeah. He In their contract, they were supposed to, within the year, like not be in any other roles so that everyone would think that they were dead. Then he had to find them, you know? And not only that, he had to find the girl. Well, uh, let me back up. There's a scene, uh, if you've seen the cover of Cannibal Holocaust or any images that are associated with it, the main one is the girl that looks like she's impaled on a spike. Right. And that's totally fake, obviously, but... He had to find her. She was part of the tribe they had used for the film. Right. So he had to find her to show proof of life that she actually wasn't impaled on this pole. Correct. It was all fake. 
so that was a pretty hard endeavor, I imagine. But again, controversy, and it was realistic enough or depicted as realistic enough that, yeah, he almost went to jail for it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. So Cannibal Holocaust, of course, considered the first found footage genre film. Mm-hmm. But that genre really wouldn't take off for another 19 years. And we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll go into that. But looking at the rest of the 70s and the 80s, the theme of snuff films sort of permeated uh, Hollywood pictures. And so you saw the theme come up here and there. Right. Uh, just to give you some examples, uh, there was Videodrome, mm-hmm. uh, David Cronenberg's uh, 1983 film. For those who haven't seen it, it's about a pirate station. And some of the material that they f- air, because they're looking for trashy stuff to get ratings, they find uh, what looks like snuff films. And then it ties into a whole conspiracy and everything. It's a good movie, worth watching. Uh, but there's some of the snuff elements to that. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yep. If anyone's seen that, it's about a serial killer who some of the stuff is filmed, I believe. It's been a long time since I saw Henry. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about it in our next episode, oh, that's uh, right. which is the rise and fall of NC-17. But uh, yeah, in Henry Portrait, it's loosely based on Henry Lee Lucas, but he, towards the end of the movie, he and his accomplice film the murder of a a couple in in a home and then uh his accomplice watches it like obsessively it's it's gross and upsetting kind of okay uh another thing that popped up and that's i found that was interesting and brett easton ellis's 1985 book less than zero they made a movie out of it starring robert downey jr mm-hmm. in the book they there's a scene where they the kids they're rich kids living in la or whatever and they watch a snuff film and they describe it and, and they're all high looking at it somebody has a snuff film but it's a clearly I remember the passage just because it's very explicit. So even in novels that are critically acclaimed, snuff shows up in those as sure. well. One interesting thing, too, uh, there's a, a film series, and I want to bring this up because a uh, group of films that were in Japan in the 80s and I think early 90s, mm-hmm. and under the collective title Guinea Pig, I'm not, I won't be able to pronounce the Japanese name, but some of the installments were f- filmed by a Japanese manga artist, okay. a guy named... Um, Hideshi Hino, I probably said it wrong, um, but they got notoriety in Japan, so they were passed around. They're on video. They they're filmed to look like snuff films, mm-hmm. and they're all fucked up. But Guinea Pig, and it's called right. Guinea Pig under the collective title. Okay, of, and there's a bunch of these films. There might have been like I don't know how many there are. Well, these films gained notoriety because a Japanese serial killer named Satomo Miyazaki. And I don't know exactly what all of his crimes were, but he was busted in Japan. He was, I think, killed a bunch of women or something. And one of those films was in his video library. So it got a lot of press in Japan. I see. So they were underground films. Underground films. And he had one when they busted him. And so it got garnered it more attention in Japan. But it got even more controversy here in the States in 1991 when uh, Film Threat Magazine owner uh, Chris Gore mm-hmm handed one of those movies to Charlie Sheen, I guess, when he met him. Because that's what I do when I meet Charlie Sheen is I'm like, hey, handsome. I have a like, snuff film. I'm like, I right, got sure. the perfect film for you. Mm-hmm. So he gave this uh, this film, and it was the one, the title of this one was Flowers of Flesh and Blood. Mm-hmm. as just one of the guinea pig films. Sure. And he mistook it for a genuine snuff film. <laughs> and so he of called the he FBI. Did. He called the FBI and reported it. And it it blew up and it got on like 2020 and headline news and it was probably the the best thing that's ever happened to the to, guinea pig series. Right, it got it garnered a shit ton of and probably clearly more than it deserved, you know, attention, and blew up at least a little bit because of that. So okay, interesting so, lesson learned: don't give Charlie Sheen a snuff film. He's just gonna he fuck it up for everybody. Doesn't know what to do with a right. snuff film. Exactly, There's no clue. There's no clue. So. 
And of course, moving on to the 90s, snuff played out in a lot of films again. You've got Strange Days, which there was a snuff element to that. Mm -hmm. Catherine Bigelow's science fiction movie. Mute Witness, I don't know if you remember that one. We watched it as a low-budget film. Actually, the last film that Alec Guinness was in. Mute Witness. That's not Witness with um, Harrison Ford. No, that's about that's about Amish people. I watched that not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh-huh. But that's what that's about. Mute Witness. Mute I feel Witness. like I remember the poster. Yeah, and then it's got, the I think, the woman's lips sewed up. Yeah. Um, and then Johnny Depp was in a film called The Brave, and I guess he was being hired to be in a snuff film or someone wanted to kill him on camera. It was some weird-ass movie. Okay. came out in 1997. The Joel Schumacher 7-esque rip-off Nick Cage movie, 8mm, was uh-huh. a, probably the biggest film that stood out of the snuff genre uh-huh. of that time. So it was still in the back burner, but showed up in themes and in you know in the movies as a, a plot point because it's if you got to think of something seedy, hey, we're, we'll throw in a snuff subplot, sure, sure. subplot in here. But then that all changed at the end of the 90s. Again, what started in uh, 1980s Cannibal Holocaust came to flourish in, in 1999 with what movie? The Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I was laying down on the leaves, a pile of leaves, kind of watching my pool and looking up at the sky. Have you ever heard of the Blair Witch? And uh, all of a sudden I felt like something was near me. Right. You know, kind of an eerie feeling. <gasps> Take on the Blair Witch at this point. You think she exists? I, I gave you back the map, Heather. Love it or hate it, 1999's Blair Witch Project is an important film uh, for several reasons. One, it was probably the first one to use the internet to full in its full potential. Because for those who remember, when Blair Witch Project came out, there was a, a company website that had like fake interviews with law enforcement officers about the disappearance, quote unquote, disappearance of the filmmakers, family members, friends, some other people that were supposedly experts on the, the Blair Witch legend. And that was all filtered in there. So that the filmmakers used that to add to the realism or what they wanted to portray as a realism of the film. It spread. It, it, it was one of those things that... I remember I think the movie premiered at Sundance and, you know, they had started off putting missing posters around, um, but they used what was traditionally known as word of mouth for film on the Internet. And it spread through word of mouth and it spread throughout the Internet very quickly. Right. And they also did the trick that um, Diodato did with Cannibal Holocaust and that the actors, well, number one, they used their real names in the movie. Two, he asked them to lay low and not be in any in any other productions while this movie was being promoted and and, just, and shown and distributed. Yep, and that worked like gangbusters. Uh, what do you remember about that as far as when it came out? Oh god, I mean, I love the Blair Witch Project. I know people give it a lot of shit. I don't. I think I thought it was brilliant. I love the you know as a marketing person, I I love the marketing of it. I didn't think that the footage that we were watching was actual footage and that was real. I thought that. They had gone into the woods, had disappeared. They had maybe or maybe not found their footage. And this was a either a recreation or someone made this up. But I thought that three people actually went into the woods and never came out. I at first thought that, too, that this was a recreation, a dramatization of that or based off of bits and pieces of film right. for a little bit of time. And then, of course it got exposed for being fake but I do remember at the time thinking oh wow this looks like it's based on a true story yeah. and a lot of people I knew thought that well like you did and a lot of other people that I knew thought that as well mm-hmm. so it it did what it 
was supposed to do. It got people in the theaters to see an ultra-low-budget shot-on-video movie, made a lot a of which th- made a shit ton of money, and a lot of people, I think, at the time, thought it was real as well. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. I mean, it will be considered to be a classic. I agree. But like anything else, it spawned a genre, and a genre that's been pretty much beaten into the oh, ground. God, they're still doing it, too. I know they are. You know, and so there's, again, something successful. Other people are going to follow it. And you've got the Paranormal Activity movies. They're like up to, what, eight? I, I don't think know. it's eight is the next one to come really? out. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a these movies are just getting churned out, and people are still going to it, but nobody believes that they're real anymore. No, I don't think so. I, think I hope they, not. I think that's been beat to death. I think so, too. So... But another thing was happening at this time. So you've got the Blair Witch Project coming out, and they were using the internet. But the internet was getting better. It was still in its infant stage. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really upload video at the time. You know, bandwidth was slow. I had dial-up until, I don't know, 2001. Mm-hmm. So good old AOL online. But going back to movies, the snuff theme was still permeating through film, even in the 2000s. You have Urban Legends Final Cut. I never saw this movie, but supposedly there's a, some snuff elements to this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a movie called Running Scared that had Paul Walker in it, which had a very small piece of it where it was implied that this couple that Vera Farmiga mm-hmm. runs into and they like captured this kid and I guess they capture other kids and film. You see all these like videos and so you assume they're snuff films. Okay. Serbian film. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Serbian film. Yeah, so there's that. We don't even know what to do with that one yet. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so you've got that. You've got Vacancy, which was uh, in 2007, and that was basically about the motel that I guess they had a snuff film. Th- I didn't see that one either. I'm just mm-hmm. using it as an example. Mm-hmm. And an element in The Counselor, which – did you see that movie? No, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. But there was a snuff film element to that as well. Character gets killed, and there's a snuff film about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So – Snuff is still sort of permeating through, I like to say permeate a lot. Uh, it's still in the back burner, but is in the public conscious. And as we get into the 2000s, the internet's better. And we do start having sites like YouTube and whatnot, and people are uploading their own videos. And when you let the people put stuff up on the internet, yeah. they put some fucked up shit up on the internet. They really do. Some of these sites that came out at the time, you know, the mid-2000s, were sites that catered to that. You remember Rotten.com, right? It's still around, I think. Yeah, I mean, I okay. I do remember Rotten.com. I think it's it still exists. It does, and it was it started in 96, and it was all mostly photos. It probably still is mostly photos. Yeah, it was crime scene photos right. and, like, pictures of surgeries and stuff like that. Exactly. It's gross. Yeah, it was really gross stuff. So, or, or you know... Motorcycle accidents, people brains on the highway, yeah, fucked like up a, shit. like you know, decapitated yeah. heads through accidents and stuff. So. Yeah, so it was like Signal Thirty, the website, right? Basically, so those sites started popping up more and more. And then I think this one site called Ogrish.com. You ever heard of the site? Mm-mm. I haven't heard of it, but until I started doing research, that was one of the first video sites that aired fucked up videos and footage of stuff. And you know, it had World Trade Center videos on it. Mm-hmm. It had gr- those gruesome political executions in Russia. Right. You know, since then it's had beheadings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Pleasant. All, uh-huh. Very pleasant stuff. I like how we picked this for the first the for our morning port podcast. Yes, I'm yeah. glad. I'm still drinking coffee. So this is really <laughs> helping me wake up. Mm-hmm. So the sites like this, like Ogrish, were initially looked at as trashy crap sites, right? 
Well, it was like something that you just you sent to a friend via email and you were like, hey, look at this. And you right. would look at it. It's just like watching a video of a woman fucking a cow or like, <laughs> you know, and it's right. just like you're like, ew, and right. then you turn it off. Like it's just used for quick little bite sized nuggets of shock. Of, of aw- awfulness. Yeah. You know, other sites started coming up, like LiveLeak. I use them as an example because mm-hmm. they're top, you know, they're not like we're a gore site. They're like, we're the news unfiltered. We show the shit that other news sites won't. So they sort of legitimize the fact that well, you can see stuff. Well, they try to make it look highbrow when right. it's really just sensationalism. It is because yeah. most of the time it's somebody trashing a McDonald's or naked on bath salts walking down the street. That's right. Something that they can get a headline or, out of. Yeah, and, something blown up. But yeah, so it's still sensationalist and exploitive, but at least they are trying to sound as though they're highbrow. So what's interesting about all this stuff and why I even include it is because this is snuff material. I mean, when you have a million views on, you know, a beheading video or some shit, you know, they're out there and there's a lot of links to them. I mean, even real news sources are like, we're showing this shocking video. So even like CNN, CNN showed will, it. will yeah. show this shit. So, you know, you have major news networks that are showing what's essentially used to be called snuff. Right. Or faces of death. Or yeah. faces of death. Right. Uh, and what's interesting about that, too, is if you think about it, okay, well, back in the 70s, if you're showing real death, somebody was going to go to jail. I mean, even when they show fake death, Freaking Diodato went to court. Right. What's fu- interesting about that is that it's illegal to murder somebody, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. It's illegal to watch somebody get murdered and not do anything about it, like in person. Correct. Um, but it's not illegal to watch online stuff. Right. It's illegal to film you murder. Like, it's illegal it, to film it. Right. It's illegal to, you know, to be witness it firsthand and not do anything about it. Right. But you can watch it all day on YouTube, and that's not illegal. And actually, uh, it's Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act that they're posting user-generated content and therefore not liable for it. So none of these sites are liable for this content that they're posting. But wait, so wait a minute. So if a cop walks in on me right now and I'm just watching ISIS beheading videos. Doesn't mean shit. But if they come to my house for another reason and find that I have a videotape of an ISIS beheading, well, that I'm in trouble? No, I, th- I don't know. I would say if it's you know, on your camera that you filmed, you're probably in trouble right. because you're part of ISIS and you're going to go to fucking jail. But I, no, I, if you have, you can have that. It's not like child porn. You can have I, it on your computer. It's not like okay. child porn right. where your ass is going to jail and you're going to hang out with Jared or whatever. You're, you're fine watching snuff and having it on your computer. Okay. But what if I, what if I, what if I sourced a snuff film? Like, okay. Like you uploaded it? What if I put out an ad on Craigslist and said, hey, I'm looking to purchase a real snuff film. Can anybody supply me one? I'd be in trouble. Well, you would be in trouble because you're uh, you're soliciting someone to kill somebody on tape for you. Or just give me the tape that they've... But if they just put a bunch of YouTube videos on there and say, here you go, <laughs> you know, the, the prosecutor or whatever, they, they investigate it, then no. Okay. If they actually murdered somebody and uh-huh. you solicited that murder, then I'm a, an accessory. Yeah, right. Okay. Got it. So yeah. So you learned all interesting facts here. Psalms of film history. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. Now you can watch snuff with no shame and eat your breakfast and eat your breakfast and your coffee. So all this thrown together. Well, it's an interesting topic to me anyway because we like and you because we like talking about crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Because going back to '78 with Face of Death, you're really seeing two genres stuck together. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're seeing the faux documentary that later 
morphed into 15,000 paranormal activity movies. Right. But then you've got the actual snuff, real death that now you can watch on YouTube, Vimeo, Lively, can you, well, not YouTube, but you can see it on the internet now. Right. And really, with that being said, but the original definition that I talked about, what do you think of when you think of snuff? What do you think of people getting killed and people getting money for showing that? Mm-hmm. It's like snuff came full circle and, and actually really exists from urban legend where you whispered about it and this may or may not be true or in South America, life is cheap. And right. so now life's cheap everywhere and you can see it on the internet. And of course, every time you click, they get a little bit of ad someone's, revenue. Someone's so, making money. So technically you're paying to watch snuff. Interesting, I mean, yeah. So, and that's basically snuff in a nutshell. Wow, that was really interesting. I Thank you. I knew almost nothing about snuff going into this and you and I had talked about it a little bit but um, I really learned something today. Well good I'm glad I hope everybody who's listening today learned something as well. So I do want to ask you do you think at one time there was an underground system of snuff movies of uh, like a ring a snuff ring? I think and this is based on my research and I mean I'm not a scholar yeah, I'm not a snuff You're scholar. You're not a scholar? I'm not a snuff oh, scholar. I didn't know. I know. that They didn't offer that at the community college I went to. But yeah. in doing my research, I would say I'm just going to throw out a number, probably 90% urban legend. Oh, somebody sure. somewhere has filmed somebody being killed and sold it. I'm sure somewhere. Oh, absolutely. But I think most of the urban legend came from other types of underground film. Mm-hmm. I think maybe even it expanded from the old stag film circuit. Right. And that those were passed passed around. Passed around yeah. and, and I think maybe some association came or some urban legend started where this tape shows somebody being killed on it. And that just kind of... That just spiraled out of spiraled control and, for a while. And became a little underground thingy. Like, Of course, I'm sure at the time uh, when that was being whispered about a lot, some somebody always knew somebody that saw it. Right, a friend of a friend I of a friend. Saw that. Yeah. So I think that's what generated all the rumor. But then uh, that article, I think, was a big deal, the one in the 70s that sort of spawned the whole genre uh, with the film snuff, as I talked about. It was a shitty film called Slaughter, and then when they were reading these articles, I think that's where the rumor that got... That started planting seeds in people's brains yeah. that, like, this is actually a thing. And so they said, well, fuck it, let's exploit that because mm-hmm. let's get people in the theaters. And so I think that is how it became the thing you talk about. Right. Oh. It, it was a hot topic at the right. time. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting. The only other thing that I was thinking is in JFK was shot in 1963. Okay. People watched that over and over. Oh, yeah. That was footage of a real person getting shot that was shown over and over and over and over again on TV. Yeah, it's a Pruder film. Yeah. That's uh yeah. That's a snuff film, I guess, if you look at it. JFK, you, the snuff film. And it's in uh what Library of Congress, I think. It's being preserved. Mm-hmm. So film registry is preserving a snuff film if you want to look at it that way. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, I think that sums it up. Uh, I'm very impressed with your research on on snuff films. Well, thank you. And thank you, listener, for tuning in today. Well, we've been talking about gore and violence for two weeks. So join us next week as I present to Tom the rise and fall of NC-17, where we really switch it up and start talking about sex. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com, where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today as well as Bad Movie Monday, our recommendation for the worst of the worst films every Monday night. Please, please, please fact check us. And if we left something out or got something wrong, let us know in the comment section of each week's topic. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.